Welcome to Split, the After Ever After podcast. We're here along with other experts and real people with real stories to help you navigate life after separation. Whether you're newly separated or divorced and co-parenting, listen now for tips and advice on how to build a foundation for a more peaceful future. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Split. We have a very special guest on the podcast today. She is a coach specializing in relationships, parenting, and co-parenting. As a coach and a co-parent herself, Tamar Burris is an expert in helping people see new perspectives and understand how what they bring to the table contributes to the relationship issues they're experiencing. She is also the author of a wonderful book called A New Special Friend, which is written for young children of divorce that focuses on helping kids navigate the challenging feelings and experience of meeting dad or mom's new partner. Her motto is, it isn't divorce that damages the children, it is how we handle ourselves both during and after. So let's create a new model of multiple household parenting without shame, blame, or games. Welcome to the show, Tamar. Thank you, Ashley. I'm so happy to be here. I think we could just like mic drop with your motto. Like that that <laughs> sums it all up. Yeah, I know. It, it kind of does, actually. I mean, um, that was a clear thing for me from the very beginning, even though there's, you know, so many other emotions and whatnot that go through there. It's like these kids, they don't deserve to be put in the middle of anything that's come before them or anything that goes on with mom and dad. It's, it's, it's not their problem and they shouldn't have to be worried about it or take part in it. And, you know, yeah. I agree a hundred percent. And I have a copy of your book here. We're going to get into this um, a little bit later because first I just want to hear a little bit more about you. Um, so if you can tell us about yourself um, and what led you to coaching because uh, you were a teacher before, right? Well, I was a teacher a long time ago. Um, I went to school for writing and education. I was a teacher for a little while and then I moved into educational publishing and I worked with um, educational journalism and educational publishing curriculum development for a long time. And um, I kind of always wanted to be a psychologist, but life kept going on and on and on and on. And I was like, I'm not going back to school for that. That's just <laughs> not happening. And as I got older, I found that for myself personally, um, therapy is awesome, but I wanted more action rather than talking. And as I had more life experience, it's like I, I could, I reflected a lot and I understood myself a lot, you know, through therapy and that kind of a thing. But now I wanted to, you know, propel myself and actually like get out of the thinking and the talking about myself and my issues and whatnot. And coaching really provided that. And I, you know, I was drawn to it. And um, after I had my son, um, it was really difficult to continue with curriculum development. It wasn't, too many hours and you couldn't really predict when when you could work even if you said part-time like when a job comes in a job comes in and you know so it was too difficult and so i i knew i had to switch careers and i thought well i'm gonna give this coaching thing a try and i had people coming over all the time anyway to chat about their issues <laughs> like that's always who i've been always 
Um, when I was in fifth grade, I had an advice column in my, in my paper, and I thought it would be anonymous to call it Dear Ramat. Because... Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> but it was just my name backwards. So um, anyway, yeah, so it's always been part of who I am. And so I really gravitated to coaching, and I've really enjoyed it. I really enjoy sitting with someone and listening to them talk through their stuff and then get that moment of like, oh, right that's what I'm doing and this is what I could do. And you're like, yes, yes. Yes. You know, it's, <laughs> it's really, it's interesting that you're saying this because um, I'm in training to become uh, a coach as well, a divorce coach. And I went into it with what I thought I understood a coach was and turns out I was wrong, but I'm really glad that I was wrong because um, I thought a coach was someone who, you know, just gave a lot of advice, um, which I thought, yeah, I mean, you need that. You need some support while you're going through divorce and, you know, like all these life changes. Um, but also, I don't know if I'm really qualified to give all these sorts of advice. And what I found is what you just said. It's really, it's just walking the path, guiding them along the journey, helping them figure out what they want and how to get there and, and stay focused, right? Right, definitely. Um, and I think, you know, most people want to have a harmonious co-parenting situation and, you know, and they want their kids to feel loved and special and have it all go well. It's just that we kind of get in our own way with our emotions and stresses and everything. And so coaching can just help you calm down for a second and really like get into that. Okay. What do I really want here and how can I get there? You know, and, and help me. I mean, that was the thing I started coaching and then I split from my son's dad and I was like oh <laughs> so then I turned to coaching for myself and it was it was so helpful and so it's just sort of like been a natural gravitation to go into co-parenting and family coaching because that's where I'm at wonderful well the world needs you and many others like you in it for sure um, myself included i met a coach further down the line in my separation but if i would have had someone right there with me in the beginning we would have you know it would have been that much easier so yeah preach uh for that <laughs> Um, you have, uh, we're, I mean, we're going to get into relationships and introducing new partners in your book and all of that, but just a couple of things that you had on your website that I really liked and I wanted to share and maybe have you just uh, talk a little bit more about. Um, okay. One of the things that you had on your website was you help people co-parent peacefully without losing themselves in the process, mm -hmm. which I think I know what that means and I love it, but I just want to hear you explain a little bit more about that. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, part of that was from my own process and then looking at, oh, my dog's going to be barking, sorry. Oh, don't um, worry, that's okay. <laughs> um, looking at, uh, you know, we move into this co-parenting relationship immediately and we go into it with the stuff that we brought from our old relationship, both the, the dad and the mom. And so we really have to learn how to, um, how to communicate on a new level as we're growing. And it's just about co-parenting and leave behind the old baggage but a lot of times the old baggage is, is, um, is, I mean, it's, it's, it's not always that it's codependent, but there's, there's a lot of codependency or just, you know, that type of dysfunction to help, to help make things smooth. And as, as, when you separate or get divorced, it seems like, you know, you're really finding yourself and you're really stepping into your own power and you really want to acknowledge that and be yourself, but you have this sticky old relationship where the other person's used to you behaving a certain way and you're used to behaving a certain way, you know, so it's kind of balancing, like um, making sure that you come to things compassionately and in a way that can be as peaceful as possible, 
without giving up the new person that you are, you know, without, yeah. yeah. So it's hard because we talk about boundaries and I think that people look at boundaries sometimes and especially when you get divorced, it's like, um, you know, I'm strong and I have a strong boundary and it's going to be this way kind of a thing. But yeah. Boundaries are fluid and it's really like what feels right in the moment and what works in this situation. And I think people tend to think that, um, they, they feel badly when they feel like they've given in or something like they've broken their own boundary when they've actually just changed the boundary and they need to just look at it as something that's a process that, you know, that you're continually developing. And so I think that um, in order to co-parent peacefully, you have to really be able to have fluid boundaries that feel comfortable to you. And that's kind of part of that. I, I love that. And <clears throat> I have a bad habit. I mean, it's not bad in some ways in business and other areas of life. It's been really helpful, but I'm like all or nothing kind of attitude. And um, I found that exactly like I so understand what you're saying about the boundaries piece, because you can feel like if you let your guard down a little bit, like, oh no, well, what does that mean? Am I going to be taken advantage of now? Is all my hard work on out the window? And like, yeah, that flexibility is just really important. Um, and then one other thing you had as well, another article on your blog that I really liked, and then I promise to our listeners, we will get into relationships and step parents and all of that. But I just thought this was really important. Um, the article called Show Up, you talk about the difference between saying and doing and why it's the doing that can really you know, make or break an amicable co-parenting relationship. So can you just, um, you know, kind of briefly explain that difference and why it's so important? Um, well, I don't know if this is going to explain it correctly or not, but um, I feel like a lot of times, you know, we have these ways that we want to be and when we espouse it all the time, we say like ah, how we're going to behave or, you know, be be open to your dad if a kid isn't interested in being with their father or something. He loves you. But then yeah. we show it differently by being close to the dad or, you know, just show, showing, modeling something different than what we're saying. And that happens in all relationships. It happens all the time. Yeah. But, um, so, you know, showing instead of doing is really taking the act. I mean, sorry, <laughs> doing instead of showing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you really have to take the action. You can't just spout the words. You can't just say, oh yeah, we're fine, we're friends, we're friendly, it's okay. You actually have to show up and, and prove that. Um, and if I remember correctly, I feel like that blog post was about someone who, I think I had a story in there about someone who was able to talk to a co-parent's girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The the kids were the kids were kind of putting up walls towards yeah. the dad, yeah. and even though the mom was saying, "Well, I'm you know I'm speaking well of him, and but I'm trying to support," yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that case, I mean, she's a wonderful person, and she really was speaking well of him, and she really did want things to be smooth and to have the kids appreciate him. But she was mad at him still, and she showed that you know she, her anger and her. Like, and, and she was really like, she was cold and she, you know, had very strong boundaries and, yeah. um, she had to figure out how she could loosen that up a little bit for herself, you know, in a way that she felt comfortable. And once you get past that hurdle, 
it was it's really beautiful because what happened with her is you know she had this really brief interaction with the dad's girlfriend and then like the whole family came together and they were so pleased that she was able to feel comfortable doing that and then everyone felt comfortable because we, oh, we have to be the leaders <laughs> That's the hard part. i don't know how i'm gonna do about that don't worry. I, I'm at my office right now, but if I was at home, and sometimes I am when we're recording, there's dogs, there's barking, so don't even worry about it. But um, yeah, no, I, I love all of that. And I think that will be a very valuable takeaway for our listeners. So thank you for explaining that. And um, I definitely, we're going to link, I'm going to put in um, all of your links to you and your blog and where to buy the book in the show notes. But I really encourage everyone to um, check out that blog post because it's it's really it's got some good stuff in there um so we i put out on instagram today uh the opportunity for uh viewers to send us some questions to go over and we got quite a few so i'm i like to cover those um a couple of specific ones but for like the vast majority all boil down to two things so number one um how long should you wait to start dating post separation and this is something jennifer and i have been asked uh, quite a lot uh since we started the podcast so what are your thoughts on this question and yeah. how to answer that that's a sticky one i think it's so individual i mean what would you agree it's just it's very personal yeah um, I think it depends on what, what your split was like and what led up to it and how much growth you've done before the split and, you know, whether you're ready or not, Yeah, um, you know, cause it seems to me that with dating, I mean, we all want to find love again and we all want to, you know, experience something different maybe than what we had or what we had in the beginning or, or something, just a do over and, and to some degree, but, um, it's really important that we date ourselves first. You know, yeah. that we get to know ourselves and that we really spend the time on ourselves to to heal and grow from what has, you know, from what we've just left. And maybe you did that in your relationship and you're just really ready to say goodbye and just go. Or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you didn't. Maybe you need some time to mourn and to really figure it out. Because if, if you don't, if you don't let yourself grow, if you don't really take a good look in the mirror at what just, you know, what happened, you're going to find a very similar relationship and you're going to be stuck in the same dating sphere that you were in before. I think it's my personal. Yeah. 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 I, I completely agree. And I think, you know, if you're asking yourself this question or reaching out to try to figure out, you know, what's the right amount of time, like maybe you still have a little bit of work to do there because when you're fully secure in yourself, then, you know, you don't, you have less doubt. I mean, that there's probably always going to be a little bit of, of doubt there, even, um, you know, if be, if you've never had, uh, been through divorce or separation, a little bit of hesitancy about somebody, but there's definitely a difference in that feeling. Um, so yeah. And then the second question is, uh, and I think that while we're answering this, this will be a perfect lead into the book, but um, so many people ask at what stage in the new relationship should one introduce their child or their children? Mm-hmm. I mean, that also is somewhat individual it yeah. depends on, you know, the ages of the kids and, and the comfort level of, of the kids. But it seems like generally speaking in the best possible world, 
you you would give them some time. There would be, you know, a good six month gap or so, you know, mm -hmm. to just get used to the new situation. If, well, that's really not always possible that, you know, there are a lot of scenarios out there where that just, it's what it is. So yeah. I feel like if you can give it some time, great, do that. You know, there's no reason why you can't date and not have the kids be exposed to that for a little while or not not introduce that into the family situation if possible oh fluffy <laughs> it was such an aggressive bark for a dog that's named fluffy <laughs> really big boy um and he doesn't stop um okay so uh yeah so if you can give it a little bit of time i think that that that's best but I think the most important thing is just to be really clear and really honest with the kids so they know what's happening. And, you know, if younger kids, especially introduce this person as a friend and spend a little time with group situations if possible and, you know, make it really slow so that it's not like this immediate takeover. There's this person and they're going to be part of our world. Um, but, you know, it, it happens like, and this is to some degree maybe a segue to the book, but Sometimes it happens where you just can't control it, especially on the other side, you know, mm -hmm. things happening on the other side with the mom or the dad that there's nothing you can do about it. So I think that it's really important to just be clear and open and honest, like, you know, I love your dad or I love your mom or whatever, but we aren't together anymore. And you know that and we will find other people. And the good thing about that is that these people will bring skills and love to you that you wouldn't have gotten from us and, you know, and just keep it open and, and converse about their feelings in any stage but yeah i think if possible you take some time and you don't bring a person around the kids at first yeah you at least get past the honeymoon stage right <laughs> get to the real them <laughs> you know and and that and i think kids are resilient and kids will be fine if mm -hmm. there are multiple relationships that happen i mean you don't have to be afraid that if you break up with this person and like that's going to devastate them no because you already broke up with their mom or dad i mean that's you know this person is very secondary um but it is true like how, how many people do you want to bring around in the first year <laughs> yeah yeah for sure during a time where there's already you know potentially a lot of inconsistency for sure and i mean i'm not a, a therapist or really a specialist of any kind but i've i've had a few conversations with my therapist about this and she has said that there is a substantial amount of um, evidence and research that does say that it's not necessarily like you said the the number of relationships that can affect the child it's more about what that what that person is bringing to the child's life and if it is a positive experience or not. Not to say that, you know, you can have a hundred different people in and out of there in a couple of months and that isn't gonna do some kind of damage. We don't know, but- um, That's another thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's no, a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> I mean, I've spoken to, you know, when I first split, I, I spoke to several of my friends cause I'm not, I'm not a product of divorce. My parents are still together and I really, I'd never experienced this before and I didn't know what it's like through child's eyes and most of my friends who did come from divorce they said they were so happy when their parents were dating because it was a friend who would come around and play with them you know kids want attention they want yeah all that attention and so if there is a great person who comes in and and they're bringing more life to the child and they're focusing on them most of the kids really enjoy that yeah so yeah 
Yeah. And, and so, and getting into your book here, like, obviously this is a, um, a children's book, but as I was reading it, I thought, I hope every parent who buys this is reading along and really paying attention to what is written here. Um, basically, just for our listeners, a new special friend. It's about um, Little Fox and his dad, and his dad introducing, uh, you know, Little Fox to Donna, who is his new girlfriend, right? And um, it really, it focuses on the emotions and the feelings of him uh, that he has. And it also provides some guidance for, for kids for how they can express and manage those emotions. So I really love that. Um, and then I also loved that uh, the point where he, he begins to, like he's very closed off to Donna at first, but then he warms up to her, kind of like what you said, she's lots of fun and yeah. that's great. And they become friends, but then he's really worried about how his new relationship and friendship with her will affect his mom and his relationship with his mom. And I was telling, talking to my fiance about the book and we were going through it together um, because his parents were split. Um, as well. And, you know, he has a close relationship with both his stepmom and his bio mom, but he said all of who are both great women, but right. all of the drama growing up had to do with their dislike of each other. Right. And it's something that honestly is still kind of an issue to this day, which is so like, I want to send them a copy of this book each, honestly, like figure it out, guys. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's what I was sort of talking about in the beginning is, for me, it was immediate, like, this can't be on my child's shoulders. He will yeah. go to therapy for so many things, I'm sure, but I don't want him to go to therapy over my relationship with his possible stepmom and, you know, whatever drama occurs there. No, it's not It's not his fault, and he shouldn't be in the middle of that, and we're the grown-ups. And yeah. You know, no one walks into this saying, oh, I really, really, really want to have a split family and I really want to add all these other people into raising my kid. But it's just it's where we are. And so yeah. accept it, embrace it, move on and allow the idea that, you know, someone else hopefully is a wonderful person and hopefully is bringing good things to your child and loves them. And if they do and it's all that great. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And um, I just love that you have written this book and it is out there in the world and is acts as a great resource because, um, you know, my daughter's really young and um, I introduced <clears throat> my now fiance to her like fairly, you know, early days, if I'm being quite honest, like post-separation. We were friends long before. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and if, I mean, I definitely, I think I would have gone about things much differently if she was a lot older and, you know, I wouldn't have right. necessarily been able to do that. It would have been an issue. So, I mean, she's known him basically her whole life that she will ever remember, but having to have these conversations, like that's, it's, that's tough. And I think just having a book, um, and some material for a kid to, be able to relate to like that's really helpful yeah yeah thank you that's i mean that was that was the purpose for me i mean i had written i had not written i'm sorry i had read so many books with him and i i was an educator right and i'm you know mm -hmm. a curriculum developer so like i really believe in the power of books for yeah. opening conversations and for just sparking discussion and just 
drawing drawing in things that maybe you weren't able to do on your own. Um, and he, the the two home books, the divorce books, they were so powerful. And he's little too. And I think yeah. you know every stage is is different. But he was four. And when he saw the kids saying, I am loved, like I am special, and you know, I have these two homes, he would repeat parts of those books throughout the day and he would he would remember some of the things that were in there. And it was really important for him to yeah. see that there were, you know, there were books about this, there are kids who are experiencing this, he is not alone. It's it's normal, you know. And so then when it was like, okay, dad has a girlfriend and it's real, you know, it's really time. We haven't really named her yet, but she's coming around and we need to figure this out. And then I looked and I was like, how can there not be a single book about this? Like, how is this yeah. no thing? Um, and I know, I know from coaching and just my own personal experiences in life that there are a ton of families, like you're saying about like your fiance's family where bio and step, they just can't do it, but it's really about their own issues. It's really about their own issues with control or maybe fear about losing love or, or whatever it is. And it has nothing to do with the kid, but the kid becomes the center of this whole thing. And then, and then they have to limit their love or limit how they discuss things, you know? Yeah. yeah and they, and they do that, right? I mean, Jennifer and I did an episode, um, a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about just some options for time sharing and the difference between like custody and access. And mm -hmm. she said that it's so often that parents will come in and they're arguing about who is being truthful um, in terms of what their child has told them about, like basically what the kid wants yeah. in terms of visitation. They, yeah. they think they're right a hundred percent. So she'll get, you know, Jen will get a third party involved to come and assess and speak with the child. And then the, the child will tell the third party, like something completely different. And it's just because they don't want to hurt whoever they're speaking to because they love both right. parents equally. Right. right. Absolutely. And then, yeah. And it's, this is the same thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it creates this crazy cycle and everyone gets caught up in it. And yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, I expect to always have a perfect relationship with my former partner and his, his partner. And, and there, I'm sure there will be issues that come up and mm -hmm. there are things, but if you can discuss it and you, if you can sort of keep the channel separate, like this yeah. is between us, but I still, I know that you still love our son and I know that you still are doing the best by him in your household, just as I am here. And if we can respect that, I think then it's a win. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And just like getting back into that, you know, more curious rather than accusatory mindset of what could a potential positive be? What could this you know, what could our kids stand to learn or gain from this new relationship that can really help? And like your thinking is so important in these situations because, um, you know, kind of like what you said about showing up, like it's your kids, they know you so well, even, even my daughter who's two and a half now, like if I, if I have had a rough day, like I, she can see I'm carrying it in my posture, just like how I, how I am, like all my nonverbal cues. So yeah, like kids, yeah, they know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Definitely. They know exactly what's going on. And so if we can put it out and have it be honest and open, then they don't have, they don't have to carry it. And it, you know, there's a lot of relief there and then there's a lot less baggage for everybody. And I also think, you know, in, in part, it seems like um, sometimes we hold on to that baggage and we're like very tight about it, 
because we think it's empowering in some ways. Like we think that we're more empowered by holding our ground and asking, you know, this is how it has to be. And I am right. And, you know, but really when you let it go, there's so much relief and there's yeah. so much more power because you're no longer locked into those feelings and that cycle with this person that doesn't take up any room for you anymore. It's gone. And now you have all this energy and time and space for, for other things. And none of us are going to be perfect parents. And so if we can allow grace for the other side, then they allow more grace, you know, back. Yes. Yep. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I totally believe that. And I, I think it's important to note too, that like, you know, it's okay if you're not super in love with the idea of your ex's new partner right away. Like, I mean, no one is okay. Not like, no, not the most, you know, the most self-secure person is still who, and, and like, even for me, I've met a few of my ex's girlfriends and I in no way wanted to get back together with him, not in this life or the next or the one after that. But it was just like, it's like a weird, it's a weird thing. It is so weird. You know, yeah. In the best of cases, it's a weird thing and that's okay. That's normal. And I think if you can just like know that, you know, it's li little by little, it's going to get better as long as you just try to stay positive and open-minded about it. And you also don't have to be besties either, right? Not at all. I know. I had someone come to me who said, you know, their ex was this horrible person and done this and that and that and that, you know, all these things to them. And how can I raise kids with this person? Like, I don't trust this person. How do I raise kids with this person? And really the bottom line, the question is, do you trust this person with your kids? Mm -hmm. do you trust this person to take care of your kids? And she's like, well, yeah. I'm like, well, that's it. That's all you have to trust. Yes. Let's start there. You trust them with your ch children. They will keep your children safe. They love your children. Let's just, that's it. You, you, the other stuff you can wash away for now. From there, you can sometimes grow a deeper relationship. You can sometimes grow a friendship and sometimes you don't. But yeah. as long as you just trust them in that capacity, that's all that you have to do. I totally agree. I think, um, and I was guilty of this uh, in the beginning too. I think it's pretty normal, but like people get stuck in their past and that's kind of what you were saying too, right? Like the, the empowerment of letting go because, you know, we want like... <sighs> I guess when I, when I split, for example, I, I don't know why, because this is, this is ridiculous, but like, I thought he was going to be different. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? Like subconsciously even, like it wasn't something that I said aloud, yeah. but I think in my mind it was like, well, we won't be living together. We won't be fighting. Right. He can do what he wants. I can do what I want. And like, it'll just be better. Like as if all of our issues were just going to like evaporate away. <laughs> I know. Same. I mean, I think that's so common. She's like, we got rid of this. We're fine. But no, yeah. all of those issues. I mean, now you, in, in the past, if you didn't have kids, most of these relationships would be done. And you maybe, maybe you would come back and be friends years later and you laugh about things, but you wouldn't have this connection piece where you have to maintain this tight relationship with someone that you just had so much dysfunction with and just so yeah. much yeah drama or whatever but yeah i know i know totally you're like yeah we're, it's going to be totally fine but no now you're yeah. in this whole new complex realm with this person who you can't get along with yes yeah
Um, now we've got a couple of other questions. Are you okay? We've got two other ones that are a little bit different. Would you be okay to try to tackle those with me? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so this person said, uh, my ex's fiance told the kids to call her mom after three months of knowing them. Tips? And we've, Jen and I have addressed a similar question before, but I'm really interested to hear your take on it um, as someone who's another uh, coach and specializes mm -hmm. in, you know, family dynamics. Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, I would say talk to the kids and how do the kids feel about that? Yes. And really you have to lead with that and, and go off of their feelings because, oh yeah, I get that. I understand that that would be so heartbreaking, but if the kids are okay with it and if they want to call her that, then you have to let it go. Yes. It's not your, it's not yours to control. You can't really control anything in the other, in the other household. As long as things are safe yeah. you know, and the kids are well cared for, you really can't control anything over there. If they don't want to call her mom and it's creating issues for them, well, then it's, time to have a conversation. Um, I would say personally with your co-parent. Yeah, first, I would too. Leaving out that the secondary person um, and see where you get with that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yep, I agree. I think that is wonderful advice. And that first part about, you know, asking the kids where do you stand on this? Um, yeah, I think that's really important. And this comes up a lot on the podcast, but yeah, to mirror what you said and just highlight it one more time, as long as your child is, is safe, you have to come to the realization that you have very little control. So mm -hmm. it just, what can I do while they're with me? What do I have power over? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Maintaining that consistency at home, making sure that you have an open channel with your kids so they can communicate with you and they know they can come to you. And that's like, that's all you really have control over is the consistency in your own home. Yeah. And also, you know, um, this person did not uh, say how old their child is, but like, I also wonder, um, you know, how old are they? And if they're at, you know, if they're a little bit older, Maybe ask them, like, have you expressed your discomfort to right. your other parent? Um, and maybe talk about that and even even start there. Because um, even though these things are uncomfortable, like whether you're divorced or not, life is full of uncomfortable situations. And because I know like I had a lot of guilt in the beginning of, oh, my daughter's going to be faced with this or faced with that. And it's like, you know, whether we were together or not, like sh life is not perfect. Right. So this does present a good opportunity to kind of empower them to use their voice and, and make sure that their feelings are heard. I would agree with that. Totally. Yeah. It, it is important for them to learn how to stand up for themselves a little bit. And if they're older, um, it's also important for you not to always be the person who gets in the middle of the relationship, you know, the, that the kids have their own relationship that they maintain with the other parent and the relationship that they maintain with you and you're not always saving them and getting yeah. them in that sticky center. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Last question here. Um, I really am interested in hearing what you have to say about this. Okay. She said, I'm three years out. Um, I assume she means of her from her divorce right. and haven't dated yet. No one seems worthy. When will I know? Oh, yikes. Um, when will you know? Mm -hmm. 
I don't know that you necessarily know if someone's 100% worthy. It's not it's not a Prince Charming or Princess Charming, I guess, situation. You have to just try. You have mm -hmm. to just... I, I had a friend, actually, when I first split, who said um, for her, she had her other friends basically bullied her into accepting five dates. She had to okay. go on the website and she just had to accept five dates and just go on like five terrible dates or good dates or whatever, just go on them. Yeah. I think that's kind of the, the advice I would give is you just have to check it out. You just have to try. You don't know really what you want or, or what you're going to get without trying. Yeah, for sure. And the thing with like, some dating apps i mean they usually have like a very limited bio limited pictures like it's yeah. so hard to get to know someone just from like that quick snapshot so it is important to have like you know real conversations and even though we're in the middle of a pandemic like um i think it, it actually is presents a great opportunity to get to really know someone especially before like there's any type of physical um connection like the ability to just facetime i mean if you can't carry a conversation over facetime like you'll quickly know this is not the person for me and how easy to just like press end you know to yeah just, just done. Exactly. <laughs> you don't even have to go to the bathroom and then sneak away you just hang up just hang up and that, that's it i yeah. know you know and the other thing is like i would say is that um we also have these pictures of what we want or, or, or what we think that we're attracted to. And then you have to ask yourself, well, how did that work for me last time? You know, if this is yeah. what I want, maybe I should try this person who doesn't seem like they're the right person for me or this person who I normally wouldn't go for. Maybe I should just have coffee with them and, and see, because clearly like my history shows that the person who I really want to hang out with maybe wasn't the best person for me for yeah. now. Yeah. Um, it actually sounds like she maybe needs a session or two with you to really find out <laughs> what you get clear on what she's looking for and what she wants. <laughs> she can call me. Um, on that note, like I'm going to put links to um, your website and obviously to the book. And then for anyone who's listening or watching, uh, stay tuned on Instagram because we are going to be doing a book giveaway, which I'm really excited about. But can you just talk um, a little bit about like your services and you offer, do you offer, it's one-on-one -on -one coaching, but do you also offer group or? I I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching and I offer group with family coaching, just with um, co-parents. And it could be with co-parents and with blended blended partners, just kind of depends on what you're looking for. So I would do, I do up to four people um, in a group. Um, yeah. Awesome. And like I said, I will put links to everything in the show notes, but what's the best way for one of our listeners to connect with you? It's the fastest, easiest way to get in touch. Um, they can email me through my website or okay. they can find me on Instagram. Those are, those are usually the easiest I'm available. I have my son a lot. And so I'm mostly available via like online. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you know what? Um, Jennifer was saying like, this is, I mean, not that we would wish the pandemic on, you know, to happen again, but like zoom is just like everyone's going that that route now and it's yeah it's been told it's been a, a positive for her to go that that way now for sure yeah you can find so many resources and you know 
we have young children, you and I, and so we're home a lot with our young children. And there's so many classes and concerts and things that I've missed that now I can do because I know here. Yeah, it's kind of great. I know. Definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us and uh, for, again, for this wonderful book. I'm just going to show one more picture of it for our video. And again, stay tuned because we're going to do a giveaway. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Ashley. I really appreciate you having me on and I appreciate what you and Jennifer are doing too. I mean, I think that we're all part of this group of this kind of new paradigm of conscious co-parenting and just moving it forward and, and really addressing the issues there so that we can raise kids that are healthier. Yeah. And I mean, we don't just, we don't have to just survive. Like we can truly thrive afterwards. There's so much to learn. And then like, you only have one life. So you really gotta just like, you know, take hold of it. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. Well, and thank you so much to our listeners for listening in. Stay tuned for more details. Um, and like I said, all of the links to uh, Tamar and to her website and her book will be in the show notes. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>